Howdy. Well, guys, it's good to be back. Last week, if you didn't get a chance to hear my first talk on trust, I encourage you to go online and hear that because it kind of ties in with this week. But let me give you kind of a recap of what we talked about last week. Our main passage was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. How did we do this week on that, for those of you who were here last week? Were you, were you involved in the Word and prayer? The things that will take us past relying on ourselves, our own strength, our own ability, and place it in the only one who can actually win those challenges for us. Because a lot of us, remember I said, we focus on ourselves, we focus on doing things on our own understanding. And when we do that, sometimes it actually may work, and we think that we're going right, but then our past continues to be wavy and crash down and... We wonder what happened. And even if it does right, we start to praise ourselves, right? We start to think, man, in all my strength, all these things leading up to this, boy, man, I'm so proud that I did this. I'd like to thank my feet, my legs for supporting me. I'd like to thank my arms for always being by my side and my fingers. I could always count on them. We do that, right? A lot of us here this morning believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And we do our best day by day to follow God's commands. And we trust a little here, we trust a little there, and we, and we push back sometimes, don't we? When God wants us to do something, we, we kind of push back sometimes. But God wants to take us so much further in our walk with Him. God wants to take us to new things and show us some amazing stuff in our lives that maybe we didn't see, things that, that He has just purposed for us to be and how to see Him. Let me show you kind of what I mean with this video. Good. Jesus, I just don't trust you. You don't trust me? No, I mean, I want to trust you. I just don't. <laughs> I have an exercise that I think will really help. Oh, okay. Stand here and face this direction. Mm-hmm. Now, do you trust me? Uh, no, I just said I don't trust you. This is all part of the exercise, all right? Whenever I ask you if you trust me, you say, yes, Jesus, I trust you. Even though I don't. It's practice. Okay. So, do you trust me? Uh, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Are you going to catch me? Don't worry about that part. Okay, that's the part I'm worried about. (laughs) You can do this, okay? Just trust me. Trust you. Fall back. Okay, well, Jesus, I trust you. Good. You. Yes, I do trust you. I'm going to fall. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, let's try this again. Just face this direction and keep your feet planted. All right? Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. Okay. I'm going to do it. All right. I'm really going to do it. <laughs> Good. Oh, you know what? You're too close. You need to move back. Ah, right. 
This one's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Uh, stand here. Uh-huh. But face me. Oh, forward fall. Okay. I can do that. Wait. Whoa. Okay. Um, wait for my signal. Oh, right. The Jesus signal. Yes, the okay. Jesus signal. Do you trust me? Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Good. Fall back. <laughs> That's awesome. It is awesome. Especially when you do it. <laughs> Seriously? Of course. Okay, Jesus. I don't know if you noticed this, but there is nobody over there. I know it looks that way to you. It looks that way. It is that way. You can do this, Laura. Just trust me and fall back. Jesus, I can't do that. We can do it together. I can't. You can. I won't. We can do it together. God wants us to take Him so much seriously and trust Him. He wants to take us so much further. We live our own lives under our own understanding, and we think that everything should go exactly the way we want it to. What happens when our plan just shut down and we come to a dead end, though? What happens when it appears He will not be there to catch us when we're falling? When everything doesn't go the way we thought it would, we, we try to... Make more plans in our own strength, don't we? Well, this isn't working, so let me try this over here. And it's a little hard to follow what Jesus wants me to do, so I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and hope things maybe change. You ever done that? It's almost as if we continue to live in this cycle where we're not trusting in the Lord and we're still falling back on our own understanding, and we have this hard time acknowledging God in our life. When this happens, our life is kind of like this. Kind of like these bubbles. Our plans so easily burst. How many of these will last? We make new ones, we make new ones, new plans, and it happens over and over again. And, and God is saying, look, guys, trust in me. Stop relying on your own humility. Stop replying on your, on your own strength. Acknowledge me. So sometimes God has to force the issue with us. God has to deal with us in, in the dead ends of our life to wake us up to where he wants to take us and where he wants us to be. And it's not fun sometimes. In our passages this morning, we're going to talk about the most renowned miracle in the Old Testament. This event in the Israelites' history is widely known, even among those who don't know a lot about the Bible, mainly because of a movie. This uh, was a famous Cecil DeMille classic, 1956, The Ten Commandments. You're probably familiar with it. It's starring Charlton Heston. For the first time, people were given a visual of what it might have been like if there had been the Red Sea had parted, right? For God's children just to pass through. The special effects using that film in 1956 baffled everyone's mind. And there's, it's still regarded as some of the greatest achievements of movie cinema in all history. And the movie still plays around every Easter. I remember 
watching this with my parents almost every Easter. The Ten Commandments of Charleston Heston. Were you there too? You, it still comes on, by the way, every Easter. And that my parents, I may have told you this before, they weren't really those people who shared Jesus with me. But boy, we watched that movie. And every year we saw the Ten Commandments in this masterful piece of cinema. So as we set the stage here, the Israelites had just been freed from years and years of slavery in Egypt after God had sent ten plagues upon them, including uh, the dreaded Passover, which ended up killing Pharaoh's firstborn son. So Pharaoh sets them free, and they begin to trek towards the land God had promised them. God wants them to trust him, and he is literally going to lead them to where they need to go. Literally. So this is his version of making their path straight. It's in Exodus 13. And here's what God does to ensure they follow his every step. Starting in verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. So God leads them similarly to like how a parent leads his children across a busy street. Extending his hand to them so that they can hold on. That the child has comfort knowing that he's safe. That the, that the mom and dad, that they're the ones that's looking out for the dangers. And so they can rest comfortably, like, let's go. You know, my mom and dad knows they've seen. I'm going to walk with you. God literally leads them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Wouldn't that be great if God could show you direction just like that? Wouldn't it be great if it was so apparent to us that God would go before us as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? That before I make the choice, the cloud is right there or the fire. Like, this is the one. <laughs> Here we go. Thanks, God. Wouldn't that be great? In all the decisions of my life, I wonder where it would have been if I had had the wisdom and the insight to say this is exactly what God wants me to do right here in this moment. And then I followed it. They had no excuse, did they? The choice is ever so clear. And God is marking it with his own special way. Whenever I need to say something to some, someone, the words in my mind would just be there. Right? Because obviously the cloud can't be over words, but in my mind it would be there. The fire would be there. Ever present to speak how I handle things? Look, here's the interesting thing about God leading the Israelites in such a direct manner. There should be no question in anyone's mind that the direction they are going is the correct one. None at all. And God leads them directly to a dead end. He takes them there. See verse 17 of that same chapter. It says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road to the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. 
Did you notice there was a shorter route? The shorter route to get to that better life that God had promised them? A shorter uh, route to the promised land? God, knowing the minds of his children and the obstacles ahead on the shorter route, said, Nope, there are some things that I need to confront you on concerning your past. And so I need to get you there first. Some things where when the Egyptians release you, there's some things you're still going to hold on about them that I need to take care of in your life. And so I can't send you on the shorter path. I need to send you in a way that's going to lead you through a desert road into a dead end. Now, I think about the GPS on my phone. On how whenever I need to go somewhere, usually in the DFW, I put in the address and it gives me the, sh- the shortest route. Right? Anyone ever done this? You, you put it in, it tells you exactly where to go, where to turn, how, how soon you're going to get there, that we all make a challenge to try to beat. And it may show a longer route, maybe a couple others, like an estimated time longer, estimated time you know, shorter or so with a distance. But the shortest route in time is usually always there, and so, of course, I want to be the shortest time there, so I'll go. So from time to time, as I'm traveling down 175 West, uh, my app will see something that I don't see. There's an obstacle ahead, a wreck or something that, that's not visible to me, but the app knows because of reports that are coming in. And so it says, hey, there's a wreck ahead. Maybe we should change routes. And it gives me options. Do I want now the shortest route that's going to go around this obstacle, or do I want to keep moving forward to this obstacle? And so it'll attempt to calculate that. Now, the path that I would have expected to take has now changed. But it's still the shortest route for me. Now, with them, here, God, God knew the shortest route to the promised land. And, but he also saw the obstacles that the children of God would face had they gone that way. And he says, you know what? There's a new route. There's a new route. And unfortunately, guys, uh, it's going to take you to a dead end. Now, here's the thing. I'd be pretty upset with my app if it took me away from the obstacles and hit me into a dead end, wouldn't you? You're like, what do I do now? Especially if I have no idea where I'm going or how to get there. I come to a dead end and like, recalculate, recalculate. You know? And, but now I'm stuck. Now I have to maybe go back. I don't know. God says, no. You're going to go to this dead end because I need to take care of some things in your past. So as you can imagine... How I would not be as happy with my app as I at, at all. They're not too happy with God's direction either. Now, keep in mind, He's literally leading them visibly, cloud by day, fire by night. Yet they're going to be a little upset with Him. Let's look at chapter fourteen, beginning in verse ten. It says this: As Pharaoh. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. <laughs> They're kind of mad, aren't they? It's interesting how they, 
how they cry out to God and then begin to blame Moses for the direction. We do the same thing, don't we? Let's say we're trusting God and acknowledging Him and we come to a dead end. We'll blame anything that seems near to the situation. It's their fault that this happened. If if so-and-so would not have done that or said this, I would not be dealing with this dead end right now. And we do that. Or maybe we, maybe we shake our fist up to heaven. Why, God, would you do this now of all times? Things were going okay. They were going good, I thought. Why? And I wonder how many of you right now are at this dead end. Do you feel like you're at a dead end right now of sorts? Like It seemed like what was going on was just a dream, right? And now it seems like more of a nightmare. Like, how is this happening? Perhaps you're at a place where you feel like you're just done. Jesus is asking us to fall back, so to speak, when it it appears there's nothing to catch you or lift you up. You feel hopeless and helpless. And I love what it said kind of in the video here. He says, we can do it together because God is not finished with you yet. In fact, when she says, I can't, he said, there's no one by said, and you notice what he said, it's awesome, especially if you do it. There's so much more he wants to show us. God is not finished with us yet. How many of you have seen the show Fixer Upper? It's on HDTV. This is the home improvement show uh, with Chip and Joanna Gaines out of Waco. Ship lap, that rings a bell to anybody. Every episode I've ever seen describes the scenario we're talking about here. Let me break it down. They take this unfunctional, perhaps outdated house, and set a plan to transform it into what it was meant to be. But before we get to this amazing looking home, what do we see throughout the whole entire show? We see the designers begin to demo it. They demolish things. They tear it down. In fact, that's Chip's favorite thing. He'll say it over and over again, ad nauseum. Throughout the shows, my favorite part, tearing the stuff down. And it is fun tearing cabinets down. But that's what they'll do. And from time to time, during this demolition, they'll hit a snag. During this renovation, they'll hit a snag. They'll hit a dead end. Maybe there's a permit they have to get. Or maybe there's a, something else structural that they didn't quite notice when they were going through the house the first time. And so they have to wait. They have to pause. They have to... Stay at this dead end. Kind of like Moses is going to say, be still. Now, they have to bring the house up to the standards, the housing codes. But they keep moving forward because those dead ends, that was out of their control. from the inside out to be exactly what he wants it to look like. The designers then now take us through this, here's what it was, and here's what amazingly it is now. And when we watch these shows, we're like, I'm going to write down some pointers because this looks amazing on what I'm going to do to my own house later on. Anyone ever do that? How many of you actually put that into practice? We say we're going to do it. And we're like, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to do that. And then it never seems to happen. But 
When God begins to move in our hearts in salvation, he gives us a standard of what he wants us to look like as the designer. He begins to transform us from the inside out to be more like Jesus. And along the way, we hit some dead ends that are just out of our control. But like the house, God sees them as necessary to bring us up to code, so to speak. To bring us up to the standard that he has set for our lives. Eventually, as Scripture says in Philippians 1.6, that Paul is confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that carrying on until completion will take, here's the trick, guys, your whole life. Your whole life. It's a process that takes time. We can't see the finished home until the end of the show. And the delays in the show always frustrate the homeowners. And with us spiritually, those delays, those dead ends do the same. Like the Israelites, we can understand them saying, Moses, why did you lead us here? God, cry out to God. We can do the same thing. They naturally are not happy with this direction. But there is hope. There is hope. God was about to show them exactly why they were directly led to this dead end in their life. It's very neat how he does it. Why does God lead us to dead ends? Here are a few things that we can get from the Exodus. God lead us to dead ends, number one, to show us and other people his glory. To show us and other people his glory. Chapter 14 begins like this. Then the Lord said to Moses... Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi Haras, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. God says, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. God says to Moses, the reason why I'm directing my people to a dead end is so that others may see my glory. I read this and I think, wait, didn't God just use Moses to bring several plagues on Egypt? They they didn't... They didn't see God's glory then. Let's look back to Exodus 7. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, the first one, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt. And with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So all these things, God is saying, you're not going to really know until the, final, until the final cinematic greatness of my glory when i stretch out my hand and save my people and then we'll see what happens to the egyptians 
you know what, let's just get to the good parts, right? Let's just get to the good parts. Let's skip to chapter 14 in Exodus. Skip to the ending because this, this gets to the, the amazing part here. Chapter 14, verse 21. It says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. All right, so here they are. There they are. They're at the dead end. The Egyptians see them. They think they're confused, and they're about to come kill them. They've already cried out to God. Now we're going to die because there's nowhere to go. We're trapped. We're between the Pharaoh and his army and the sea. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, verse 21, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and clouded the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. It wasn't the plagues. It wasn't the signs and wonders. It was God stretching out his hand in the midst of a dead end to say, I've got you. I will bring my people out of this conundrum so to speak and onto dry land and then i'll show them that their enemies well what i'll do to them well that's that's powerful isn't it so did you notice the ending when the israelites saw the mighty hand of the lord displayed against the egyptians the people feared the lord and put their trust in him and moses his servant Don't miss your opportunity to let others know about Jesus when you face dead ends. God wants to use those dead ends for his glory. And never miss your own opportunity to place your trust in him or further your trust in him through those dead ends you face in life. Because there may be many of them that he leads you to. The second reason why God wants us leads us to dead ends in life is to remove fear to see this we have to go back to god not choosing the shortest route to the land he promised god said if they face war with the philistines even though they went out supposedly ready for war as the scripture said they will become fearful and go back to egypt god had a much different plan 
Israel had already been freed from the slavery in Egypt, so they cannot go back there. God promises people a land, and Egypt wasn't it. They were free, but they weren't free from fear. And so at their dead end, remember back in verse 10, the Bible says they were, they were terrified. Sometimes I believe we can't help but be afraid, honestly. That at first it seems like a natural response to some things. But we don't have to give in to those fears. We don't have to let it control us. God wanted to get rid of the fear of their past and their life. And he knew that he had to literally wipe out Israel's former masters. He had to wipe out what the Israelites were powerless against that made their life enslaved. He led them to the dead end to remove that fear. And he'll do the same for us. Now, the third reason I see why God leads us to dead ends is that it goes along with the second reason is this, to break the chains of the past. To break the chains of our past. Here's a lot of us, what happens when we consider our past. The obvious would be that we, we're fearful that it may come back. We're fearful that it may resurface. That what we did in the past, even though we we're trying to leave it behind, that it was all too familiar to us, all too comfortable, and that will resurface in our life, the things that we've done before. And so we have these chains, perhaps. But diving deeper in this is that we think we are fixed maybe in this past. That maybe that past dictates now how we live or dictates how we behave or what we think. Sometimes, and even if our past in our life has been recently tragic, we can't think that we can change, maybe. That we come to this dead end and perhaps it feels that we've convinced ourselves there's no way I'm breaking free of this. It just keeps on coming up. See, God uses this dead end the Israelites to show them he is larger than or impossible. After the Israelites have cried out to God and started complaining to Moses, this is Moses' response to them in verse 13 of chapter 14. He says this, he says, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you will see today you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What a promise. The chains of the past will be broken. Let me tell you from experience. We can change. We can. We can break free. God will take the shackles off our feet so we can dance. You don't have to go far. Once this is done, you go to the very next chapter in Exodus 15, and you see what happens to the Israelites. They are singing. In verse 1, it says, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. Some of your translations say it like this, especially since they're singing in verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I love that. The chains of the past can be broken. And he shows them that to this dead end. Well, the fourth reason why God leads us to dead end in life is to build our faith. 
Let's stay in chapter 15, but move down to verse 7. It says this, In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? That's powerful. And they keep on singing. We could go the rest of this chapter. They keep doing it. They can't help it. Their faith is strengthened. What they've just seen was a mighty miracle of God. That they thought they were dead and between you know, death and death, right? Sea on one hand, Pharaoh on the other. And God says, <laughs> if we go through all of chapter 14, which I don't have time to do, but it's almost like God has said, to Moses, guys, didn't I promise you I'd get you there? Didn't I promise I'd get you to the promised land? Do you think this is a big deal for me? Stretch out your hand. Let me show you who I really am. Do you think it's a big deal, our dead end, to God? He sees the way through. He sees the dry land. We need to trust. Do you think their faith was strengthened? Boy, I tell you, the the experiences of life, as we trust God, lead us closer to become like Jesus. When we face dead ends, we can have hope that our faith will be strengthened. Once God removes that dead end, boy, like chapter 15, we praise his name. We move forward on dry land. We see his deliverance. And prayerfully, the next dead end we face... When things appear again like they are impossible to overcome, when we don't see anyone behind us to fall down upon, we'll have more confidence that the Lord is larger than our impossible. And they sing, In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. They are pumped. When we come to a dead end, I want his church to expect God to act. Expect him to take care of it. Believe that he can make a way where there seems no way around what you're facing. Because there will be times, if you've never faced it yet, most likely will. Because we've seen this is how God sometimes uses us to glorify himself to break chains of the past, to remove our fear, to build our faith. Believe that you can make a way. Well, there seems to be no way around what you're facing. Luke eighteen twenty seven says this, and this may be something we've memorized. What is impossible with me is possible with God. There are several times that you may in your life and you may have already experienced this, and like I said, if you haven't, you will, where many things about the situation may be out of your control. 
They were literally led by cloud and fire, out of their control. We follow God. He's the one that led us out of this slavery. This is what we're going to do. It's out of their control. Now they are surrounded by Pharaoh's army and a sea, out of their control. What were they to do? There's nothing that they could have done to get them out of the situation. Nothing. And while it was out of their control, it was never out of God's. We tend to fall back on our own understanding with these situations. We begin to stress and focus on what we can't control all the time, don't we? Instead, if we could follow God's instruction on trust, maybe we should not so much focus on what we can't control, but focus on what God can. So now we may not know what this is or what this will look like because his ways are not our ways. I mean, do you think the Israelites ever dreamed when they were at the Red Sea that God would part those waters so they can walk on dry land? And even if, even if you see the waters part, you're thinking, isn't that kind of muddy? Won't we seek down? <laughs> I mean, it was perfect for them to go across. A wall of water on their right, a wall of water on their left. Now, Scripture doesn't tell this, but I'm going to assume that none of them had the thought that this was going to happen this way. Because the song they sang afterwards suggested that was the case. They were absolutely amazed at what God had done. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Now, we've parked in the Old Testament this morning. But what does the New Testament have to bear about this topic? Because you may be one of those people that are like, well, that's the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament, God showed up in, in many ways and there's miraculous things that we could see. Did he do it in the New Testament as well? Absolutely he did. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And this is Paul after he had just been through a dead end. He says, we do not want you to be informed uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of asia we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself indeed we felt that we had received the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on god who raises the dead he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And the Bible never tells us what this troubles that Paul experienced here. It doesn't. And honestly, I love God for that. Because we don't have to be so direct in the application for this, do we? We can just fill in the blank for any dead ends we may face. And if it was specific, maybe like, well, I'm not going to have that situation that Paul had. No, put any dead end in your place. That if God can raise a man to life, <laughs> it seems the things we face in life, the dead end we come into life, are just not that tough for him to handle. He can bring life to a marriage that seems like it's at a dead end. He can bring life to a financial burden. He can bring life into a sin we're trying to get rid of. He can bring life into the situations with our parents, our children, our grandchildren. He can bring life into our career and how we deal with all the people around us. God can raise the dead, you sure bet that he can bring life into any aspect of our life. 
what if we're confused about God's direction? Because we don't have a cloud. We don't have a fire. Maybe it feels like every road in our life is just a dead end. And it seems like God is closing doors here and none ever opening. God can bring life even to your confusion. And maybe you feel like your life right now doesn't seem to have any purpose or plan. You're just kind of living one day the next. And everything you do just seems meaningless. God can bring life and direction for what he created you to be. The same truth that we've experienced this morning about God working the lives of his people, whom he brings to a dead end, is demonstrated in the finished work of Jesus. Like a major dead end in your life that you're facing could be that you've never placed your faith in Jesus to begin with. And just like God promising that his people will be freed from slavery, brought to a land that he had prepared for them, he promises us that we will be freed from the slavery of sin and brought to his heaven that he's preparing for us who trust in Jesus. The Israelites came to their dead end and they couldn't do anything to escape death. God had to do it for them. God had to provide a way for them to be saved. Similarly, we can't do anything to escape. God has to do it for us. God has to make a way for us to be saved. And he has done this through Jesus. Listen to these verses from Titus. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all the people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. How many of you here will receive Christ as your Savior? If you know in your heart that this is you, then please let us know with the card in front of you in the chair or come talk to me after we dismiss. For the rest of us, those of us who have already placed our trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we come to a dead end. What do we do? Expect God to act. Expect God to show you and other people his glory. Expect God to remove fear. Expect God to break the chains of your past. Expect God to build your faith. Because the final question then is, what are you expecting God to do with your current situation? Even though it may seem like it's impossible, that it may seem like it's a dead end, that you're caught between a dead end and a dead end, I hope you've seen today that the Lord is larger than your impossible. He will provide a way when he brings you there because he wants to show his glory to you. He wants to show his glory to others. He wants to remove that fear. He wants to break those chains of the past. He wants to build your faith. So the next time you come to a dead end, perhaps maybe God brought you there. And that should give you a smile.
Because that's exactly where God needs you. And that's exactly where God is going to show up in your life and make you go on dry land. Man, that's powerful. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the miracles in our life. Now I do wish you'd be before us with a cloud and a fire. But Lord, you guide and direct us with your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that as we trust in you, as we're following you, as we're acknowledging you in our ways, as we're leaning not on our own understanding, Lord, we, we trust in your promise that you will make our paths straight. And even if our paths are straight, we may come to dead ends from time to time. And God, thank you for that. I know in the middle of it, when it first comes, it's not fun for us, Lord. It's not fun for us. Forgive us the, for the times that we may have blamed you for things uh, in an erroneous way. But God, thank you that even though you may bring us to dead ends, and even though we may have dead end right now, and it may seem impossible to us, you are so much larger than our impossible. You want to take us through that dead end, to show us the things to do. So it's almost like that dead end is just a cabinet that needs to be torn down in our life so that a bright, shiny new cabinet, functional one, can be put in its place. So at the end, Lord, as you go through our life, tearing down things and breaking down walls and tearing chains up and removing fear, as we're working closer and closer to you, you're building us closer to be like Jesus. And thank you so much for that. It's not an easy road. But God, I thank you so much that you are there with us and leading the way. I do pray for those who today will place their faith in you as Lord and Savior. Lord, that that dead end of not believing in you will be removed. That salvation will be theirs, not only now but forever. And that you'll begin the work that you'll carry on into completion. Thank you so much for the promise that you are keeping us up, that you are carrying us on to completion because we can't do it ourselves. We're stuck without you. And thank you for being who you are. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Scott.